0: Hello everyone, welcome to One-Bit Wonders. Today is gonna be a bit of a different episode as we are not having the sections we usually have. Uh, It's gonna be a fully-fledged interview with SQFMI who are currently developing the Frankie, a one-bit platform you should be really excited for. For every two quote-unquote normal episodes, we are having an interview with some of the most hype creators in the 1 bit scene. So hope you enjoy this episode. Recording is on. Hello everyone, this is 1Bit Wonders, your bi-weekly show for everything 1Bit. And today I'm really proud to have with me as co-host slash invite invite guests, I have uh, Weyland from SQFMI, who are currently developing a little device um, for one-bit games, among other things, called the Frankie. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, Where did the idea come from, um, or how was the development of it?
1: Yeah, so hey, everyone. This is Weyland here from SQFMI. So uh, yeah, we started developing Frankie as a prototype, as a uh, little portable kind of everything uh, computer device. We didn't specifically have gaming in mind, but uh, we definitely got our inspiration when we saw the Playdate device, right. They had a really nice uh, one bit you know uh, LCD display, which was very sharp contrast. And you know we got our hands on some of those displays as well. And so we really wanted to do something with that display and kind of build a uh, open source uh, hardware platform so others can develop you know, applications or, or games on it. And uh, if you kind of go onto our, our Twitter or, or uh, Instagram, you'll see some examples of the things that we did with Frankie. So that's kind of how it all started.
0: Yeah, so one key difference I've noticed with the Playdate is the modularity so play it has a very fixed set of inputs which is um accelerometer on um, a d-pad two buttons and a crank that's it and with frankie um you can say well it's game time i'll put uh, i'll um have the gamepad um in my unit and then when you wanna do a tiny bit of uh writing or you want to do some um, music, you can have some modules for that. So there's like a little keyboard and also like synthesizer controls. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I that's an aspect I really like. So that um, expands a lot of like what you can do with this um, one bit computer like um, it's not hyper-focused on gaming. Um, it has the, the inputs you want for it at the right time. Um, you can put them there. And that's something uh, I, I think that has a bit of an edge over the play date for hackers and makers. Um, because you are not stuck with this fixed set of inputs. You can uh, change them basically at any time.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and you got that idea exactly right. And how we thought about approaching it. So when we saw the, the play date with the crank, uh, you know, input, we're thinking, well, you know, there's so many other forms of input that can be used for both uh, different types of games or even for different types of applications like synthesizers. So we wanted to keep the modularity, so you can perhaps use a joystick or a keyboard or you know even uh, other sensors or devices uh, as input to either your game or your application. So we didn't really want it to limit it to one type of input. So of course, you know, with the port in the front, like you said earlier, you can add different types of interactions. Uh, whatever your your uh, ultimate application is at, at the end,
0: right? You can add it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I um, really like that about the Frankie, and also. Um, I was uh, wondering, like, um, do you see uh, people creating their own input methods for for the front key, like for their own very specific use cases?
1: Yes, definitely. And so the part of the reason we wanted to go fully open source with this platform, both the software and hardware, is that we want to encourage and inspire others to create their own input device. So, of course, we started with a few examples like the keyboard, the two joysticks, as well as, like, the standard D-pad and A-B buttons for gaming. But, uh, you know, we provide all the source code and also the design files, and we really hope that other people will create their own uh, input device as well for for the Frankie platform.
0: Yeah, um, that would be great if we had, like, a ton of very varied controllers for very different use cases. Like, if we get a tiny piano that works on the... Right, right. (laughs) That would be super charming. And also yeah now we're speaking about um community hardware but what about software are you planning to send out dev kits like to some um really talented developers in the who are somehow related to it um are you yeah so we definitely want to build
1: a community right because you know with the device itself uh definitely the starting idea is that we want to be developer focused so that, you know, with the Frankie device, you can do a lot of things with it. But we also understand some of the users probably just want to play games or, you know, enjoy the, the kind of applications that other people develop. So to kind of get the, the ball rolling, right, we want to kind of have some uh, initial uh, prototype devices that we can share with the developer community so that they can play around with it, uh, you know, give us some feedback and also maybe put some applications or games for it. One of the things that we're lacking right now is like a good games engine for the platform. And so we're seeing you know if we can build something like that or leverage some other open source software to kind of help build some interesting applications or games to really get the attention of additional developers to join the community and to build and share more games and applications.
0: Yeah, like at launch, you really don't want it to be like a desert um, in terms of software. Uh, exactly. You- Uh uh-huh so that's why um, i think it's important for pretty much any um platform to uh, send out um early units to developers so they can experiment with it and uh, pull off some really exciting uh, projects um ready for launch or close to launch like Mm -hmm. yeah i so that's something that I'm really excited about, that um, when it launches, um, it's not like, um, and now what? Like, there's always right. something there. Um, and and then how can we build on top of what um, has been built by uh, developers before launch? So um, now you have a um, very stable base of, um, software and like maybe even mm, software to make more software like you say game engines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. Like um, and right now, like I, I know there's not um, there there hasn't been like an insane amount of development already for the platform because it's in its early stages but right now what are some of the most uh, exciting uh, features or software games that you've managed to get on frankie
1: yeah so when we were playing around with it uh the, one of the great things about the platform is it, it currently the design runs on the esp32 so that gives us uh you know the arduino framework support so from there on, you know, we were able to quickly develop some simple applications and demos. I, I think you saw like there was like a, a nan cat animation, write some basic animations. Yeah. Um, we we can write some simple drivers for the input to, you know, simulate like a, a shooting style game, and also uh, you know a basic synthesizer keyboard. But uh, also one of the things that we're looking at, speaking of community, is you know how can we kind of really quickly get some games going. So one of the experiments we did was, you know, porting over the uh, Game Boy emulators uh, onto the platform. So since, you know, the the Game Boy emulators are are often supported already by the ESP32, uh, we had to do a few tricks to make it render properly on the one-bit screen. But uh, that way, we are quickly able to kind of get some of the uh, Game Boy games onto the platform itself. Um, It's quite a challenge because not all the games um, render properly, given that the Game Boy Classic had a, a four-bit or so two-bit four-color grayscale screen, right, which is our mm-hmm. Frankie has a one-bit screen, so not everything translates properly, and there's a different resolution. But at least it gave us a quick idea of like how it looks like. Uh, another thing that also works really well is uh, the board platform, right? It was like a, a mega-based platform, which has a lot of like one-bit games on the OLED screen. But uh, because it supports the Arduino framework, all of those automatically work on the Frankie as well. So that's also really exciting, something that we could really do quickly to kind of bring that over and, and test it out. Um, there's still a lot of capabilities that's on the platform that we haven't explored yet. For example, on the Frankie, uh, we wanted to put a nice uh, you know, digital analog converter so you can spit out some nice audio. Uh, so And also there's a, a microphone input as well. So that gives a possibility of some Uh, games that design with like audio interaction, right? Like mic input, sound input, or voice input, as well as some nice, uh, you know, headphone output as well. Uh, There's also a accelerometer, which we haven't figured out. Maybe we can somehow use that as an input for some of the games. But uh, the starting point is literally looking at some of these emulators, simulators, how we can just bring readily-made games already into the platform so people can, you know, just play right away when they have the, the hardware itself
0: yeah the great thing about emulation is that um with it you don't have to um make every game from scratch and port it over to the platform like um if you have emulation for one platform then you have all of the all of the platforms software at your fingertips on Right, right for example yeah with Raspberry Pi, with, when you have like Amiga support, boom, you have all of the Amiga software available on your Raspberry Pi. And mm-hmm. also when you have DOS support and all those old computers, like with a, a Raspberry Pi becomes com, sort of a universal computers and uh, through emulation. And I think um, that's, you know, we get, uh, we often get like, hyper focused devices lately like especially from companies like apple they just want you to be able to play um one thing and that's um whatever they authorize on their store so like if you wanna um play some old amiga games like they have to um have they they need a full-on port um in order Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. users to access that but um When you have um, this very open access to emulation, then um, software that was um, previously limited to just one platform, like um, it suddenly becomes uh, universally available, Uh, especially with this um, super easy to emulate platforms. Like uh, the the Game Boy at this point is, not only a console it's kind of a platform because you have things like gb studio where mm-hmm. everyone, so yeah uh if if your device can run um gameboy it can run um anything made on gb studio so um it kind so gameboy kind of be, became like a framework for um game development among indie communities like i see this there's, there's the gb jam on uh, uh-huh. so um all of so, so yeah uh, all of that software all of the software that's made for Game Boy is also made for the emulators and the emulators run on everything which means um if you make a Game Boy game you're kind of making a game for everything <laughs>
1: right right it can run on the raspberry pi it can run on your phone right because it's supported by the emulator
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and uh, that that's something uh, that i'm really glad about um like the way um these tools have progressed um i mean tools like gb studio and mm-hmm. all yeah to help uh indie developers who may not really be um super um they may not have a ton of experience coding but they may have some experience on pixel art and maybe uh, writing all of that and then with that um just one person can make a game and a ton of people can enjoy it and I, I think that's really great that uh, these games are no longer locked to one platform, but like they are so accessible. And that's also a great thing about RD Boy. So I'm really glad there is already RD Boy support there because um, uh, the powerful thing about um, having support for a platform that is already very developed is that um, you basically once you figured out uh, how to add emulation or support, uh, you have uh, a ton of software at your disposal like, uh, and, and it's great that you already cracked those two platforms like, like you already managed to get those two platforms on the um, Frankie because that means that at launch you 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 not only have like um a couple dozen games you have hundreds if not thousands
1: right and we're of course you know building on top of all the open source software community right you know these all these tools all these frameworks uh it, it was easy for us to port over because there was so much support and documentation that's already out there you know and and so that's great that we were able to leverage all of these projects uh you know to to build on top of ranking
0: yeah so i was also wondering oh yeah there, there's a developer who is making a very impressive um game boy emulator for Playdate so i wonder if those um rendering techniques um, would um, improve uh, the current uh, rendering methods used for um, gameboy emulation on frankie because here's the thing that emulator like um, has been set by the developer to become open source the day playdate comes out so it, and it it looks amazing like it is so so um feature rich and i uh, i wonder if like uh development for the uh playdate which is like uh the more mainstream platform because it's focused 100% on on gaming and not so much the maker side and the tinkering side so mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so i wonder like if we see development for Playdate and it becomes open source, then all this software for the rendering, um, well, it basically transfers over to Frankie probably, um, mm. like because they are using exactly the same screen. Um, yeah. So if a developer comes with a very ingenious way to render Game Boy games on the Playdate, like that developer I'm mentioning, has, well then that developer has also come up with an ingenious way for rendering it on the Frankie because they are running the same screen, Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, maybe um, like uh, the current um, implementation of Game Boy graphics is a little rough around the edges, but uh, with that technology being open sourced, then that means um, they, Frankie and Playdate, could become like um, both uh, like some uh, top tier platforms for playing Game Boy games, um, because uh, while the screen isn't like one to a one to one Game Boy screen, um, there there are some artifacts that have been developed like. Um, I've seen that to mimic the sort of, well, the grayscale, what they've done is using techniques like blinking pixels, um, like it goes really fast between black, white, black, white, so it looks Mm -hmm, kind of mm great, and also dithering. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, if that emulator has managed to uh, render uh, so precisely the Game Boy games, because they look almost like they, they looked on the Game Boy, just less green and more gray, of course. Um, right, right. So yeah, if that dev has managed that on the Playdate screen, then they have managed the same on the Frank screen. So um, yeah, in general, like uh, whatever, whatever gets developed for Playdate, and uh, well, and, and is open source, of course. Um, it's it's also valuable for Frankie because um they are very similar platforms so adapting software from one to the other um is gonna be um really intuitive well it, it's not it's not a one-to-one replica of the plate of course because you have to consider it's esp32 and the ram um is a bit less but not so. right but, a yeah. different
1: processor so I think there there would be some uh uh, challenges that we can look at and how like the, the software translates. But definitely since, you know, if both of the kind of frameworks and platforms are open source, I think a lot of the, the code can be definitely shared in terms of how the, the rendering techniques, like you mentioned, right, the blinking and the dithering to kind of uh, emulate that grayscale uh, game board screen, right? I think those can definitely be shared. And, you know, uh, even if the the framework software is not an exact uh, a replica i think a lot of it can be definitely reused to to kind of emulate that
0: yeah um i was also um, thinking like um what kinds of um software um have you been developing or been excited to um to see on the frankie like uh for me one thing i'm really curious about is stuff like uh, interactive fiction, because the Frankie has a keyboard, um, it makes it a much more viable platform for uh, that kind of game than the Playdate already. Uh, like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. is that something? Uh, well, other than that, uh, what, what other genres would you like to see? Like. It's it's tough along the lines of, I don't know, I may want to see like a micro game collection, like WarioWare.
1: Right, right, right. That that would definitely be a lot of fun. But I I think the most interesting type of games that we want to see is uh, something that leverages more than the basic kind of direction and A, B button input, right? If like there are some games that are, uh, you know, audio based that, you know, takes the the voice or, or sound input and outputs it, and that's kind of part of the reason why we built the synthesizer uh, demo, right? We really want to see the ability to kind of create music and, and also have music as an input to maybe drive some games of the application. Um, I know I, I remember in the uh, the Nintendo DS, uh, I think, uh, Wario games, right? They let you uh, blow into the mic. So yeah, that was like an interesting interaction, right? To, to kind of play with that kind of game. Um, I think keyboard uh, is useful, not just in terms of... Um, a text-based kind of adventure game, but also using it as a communication platform because the ESP32 does have the Wi-Fi built in. So it, it's really easy to kind of extend some kind of like multiplayer or wireless protocol so you can interact with other Frankie devices, right? We think that that would be a really interesting concept as well. And uh, I, I think the possibility are, are endless, like any kind of interaction that is not just so typical to uh, what you think about like classical gaming, we're excited to see you know what what
0: uh people create with it yeah so i was recently wondering about iot software and like i've seen um many devices that are low tech but they can do um a lot of very um interesting things like for example there's the ink plate which is like an e ink based uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tablet right. uh-huh. but it, it uses like an esp32 but already you can use it like an rss reader and a lot of things like that so um lately well, well like a couple of weeks ago i got a pebble time and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that has um taught me a little of how um Sharp memory LCDs um, kind of look like how they work and all that. So yeah, it's, uh-huh, been, uh-huh. <laughs> it's been exciting like, um, well, first of all, I want to mention the, the main difference I've seen between e-ink and memory LCD is that e-ink uh, has, gives you a very matte look. Um, right, right. Yeah. And with memory LCD, it looks a bit more shiny. Like you can see, uh, you can know it's it's like when you uh, point light uh, directly to like aluminum or, mm-hmm. or yeah, like it reflects back. Uh, so you really notice that it, it looks way more shiny and less matte um, than ink does. But they both serve their purpose of um, being low power displays that Mm -hmm. aren't that aren't really hard on your eyes like most OLEDs Um, right yeah they look beautiful but um after a couple of minutes they can strain you a little bit Um, Mm -hmm. so
1: one of the the cool things about these low power displays also is the the fact that they are low power so like with the Frankie, with the screen, uh, you know, we think about other applications, like for example, like a Tamagotchi type of device, right? Where it tells you the time and it's like a pet that you keep with you. And hopefully it's a device that you can run for, you know, many days without having to recharge it, right? If you think about like a typical gaming device or like a or your iPhone or, or Android phone, you know, they last only maybe one day or two, but we're hoping to really push the the, the uh, battery life of these devices because of the low power screen to at least, you know, uh, a week or more, right? Because, um, you know, you can always just have this device with you and just not having to recharge it all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Tamagotchi, we recently covered the Tamagotchi Smart on this this podcast. Well, the Mm spin-off podcast, which is Pet Wave, where we cover Mm -hmm. everything about virtual pets. So Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. more I look at that device, the more I'm disappointed by it because... Mm -hmm. It's using, like, a regular screen. So um, and that means it has um, a very poor battery life. It, it has around, well, it's not the worst. It's, like, what, 30 hours? Yeah, that's the official number. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's kind of low for a watch. And also, yeah, on um, um, I can't imagine it. Uh, looking great on exteriors where it's right, supposed right. to be like it's a smart watch and also in terms of features it's extremely closed. and like compared to a pebble uh, you cannot call the Tamagotchi smart really smart like it's <laughs> a watch with a Tamagotchi and that's it like right, it, right. it's kind of disappointing like when i saw them um push the smart side i thought oh this may be able to do some really cool things like um, maybe it syncs with your phone and you can um read notifications from there or you can play music or something but no it really it's really just i think the most advanced thing it does is like recording steps mm-hmm. but um yeah it, it's super super closed like you, and I compare that with what I'm doing with my pebble. I'm playing Sokoban, for example, a lot. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's really fun. And the Tamagotchi, because um, it's designed for, like, very, um, well, the, the games made for it are, like, very game-and-watch-like. So mm-hmm. they don't have, like, they aren't super mentally stimulating. It's just mm-hmm. moving your character be- between left and right side of the screen or right, right, like right. Are super basic like that. So yeah, um I-, I think um the Tamagotchi Smart may not be uh fun for more than a week while with the pebble, for example. I've been reading my RSS feeds from there. Like <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, when I'm bored, like I start clicking through my RSS feeds and um the um yeah it's a tiny screen but uh be, but they make the font a bit bigger to compensate so you can easily read through an article and like it's not even uncomfortable or anything like
1: yeah, um, it really is a great platform and i think a lot of people really miss it you know even after so many years that they stop making new ones and the platform is down, but people still keep creating, you know, new software for it. You know, they keep supporting it because I think they really love the idea of of the platform itself.
0: Yeah, um, it's wonderful. Like I entered as a newcomer and I think um, it does what Tamagotchi Smart is trying to do, but much, much better. Like Tamagotchi Smart is trying to be both charming and smart and um, it, it kind of achieves the charming aspects because, oh, it's got cute pets and, um, <laughs> and all that. But, um, in terms of being smart, it's, it's not really that smart. Like, mm-hmm. And with the pebble, um, you have both, like, uh, you can do a lot of things with it, not just, um, play with, a virtual pet. Um, you can do that, but you can also do so much more. And, mm-hmm. um, It also has a charming aspect because the watch faces are so crazy. And also the animations are stunningly um, crisp. Like you get some super cute animations every time you um, like um, do anything basically. Um, They are so I kind of miss. That charm from Pebble uh, on on current smartwatches, like you see the Fitbit and the Apple Smartwatch, and they all look fine but very boring. Like, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and that I think um, design should um, be a little more playful. Uh, usually, like I, I don't like the one hundred percent utilitarian approach right, um, right. Like, unless it's like medical software or like stuff, right, right. or like nuclear plant software like yeah i can see how that wouldn't be super playful and that's totally understandable but for almost everything else i do like a degree of playfulness to things um i think it adds a lot to the user experience Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's also uh, one of the aspects we, we consider when we build products like, uh, you know, Frankie as well is, uh, you know, the the open source of the hardware itself. But also we wanted to keep uh, the enclosure design uh, open source. So, you know, being the playful aspect right? I think people want to have their custom color cases, you know, if they can 3D print it or if they want, you know, pink color case or purple color case, they can go ahead and do that. And I, I think that's one of the cool aspects, right, where you can customize your own device, and, you know, with the Pebble, you know, the different uh, watch straps that you can swatch up, uh, you know, uh, with different color bands. And I, I think that's really important to have that unique customization for, like, you know, your devices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I also really liked when Nintendo pushed the 3 um, D new 3DS face plates. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Yeah, I thought that was super cool, Um, but they still have some of that with uh, the Joy-Cons, like you can have crazy Joy-Cons, but yeah, uh, for most editions of the, uh, no, uh, I was gonna say, mm, yeah, uh, Nintendo in general, um, like after 3DS, they, kind of locked away all of that uh, personalization aspects, mm-hmm. like a little, not completely, but um, for example, with the 3DS, you have uh, some amazing themes that make it look uh, so charming and so gorgeous. Like, uh-huh. yeah, and with the Switch, it's just black or white. That's it. <laughs> uh-huh. So yeah, I I also really like the badges thing, and they also had folders on the 3DS, and you could even put badges inside of them. And Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. personally, like yeah, in terms of what you could personalize on your 3DS, it was uh, peak. It was at the peak of Nintendo um, UX design, I think UI and UX design. Like
1: They they always make these really nice devices, I think, and every now, every generation, I think they come up with like a very iconic uh, device, right? I think they always build like really good hardware, which might not always be like the highest like specification, highest performance, but just like the design of the the weight and feel of everything is always, you know, top tier, I think they're really good at that.
0: Yeah, and also also it it, it helps that my 3DS is super, super hacked. So (laughs) that also makes it even cooler. And yeah, I think um, I really think um, companies in general uh, should push for that user control. Not like uh, this is the experience um, you should have because... This, because that's what we want you to have um, and nothing more. Like with Apple, um, you only get what they want you to get. Like, uh, or, like people couldn't get widgets on their screen until uh, Apple decided to implement them. Or for example, um, with Android, you can, um, you can basically turn it into a desktop if you want. But Apple is like, oh, no, 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 no. If you want a desktop, get an iPad. Uh, (laughs) or if you want an even more desktop -er desktop then get a mac Uh, yeah so they really limit uh, what users can do Uh, i i really like when a device uh, says um uh, your device is yours do as you please Uh, Mm -hmm. i yeah i i really like that in terms of design i think um it's the way we should move things towards not like um uh, instead of pushing one uh one single design that everyone uh, should use and nothing more i think we should have that openness of as much as we can we should implement it because different users like different things and what the ceo thinks is best um, may not be the best for a user who wants a different experience from uh from the one the company envisioned right
1: right it's always good to have the options right so yeah people can play around with it
0: definitely yeah um oh yeah now that we're talking about the pebble um so how's the watchy going which is um for the audience it's um an ink watch that's b- developed by sqfmi i think it's currently available or is it out of stock
1: yeah currently it's out of stock and of course you know our our production is is hit by the uh current supply chain issues with the electronic components right but uh, we're looking at sourcing you know additional parts as soon as we can to start building them i know uh, after we fulfilled the initial crowdfunding campaign there's still a, a huge demand for the watchie device so we're trying to hopefully get uh, parts as soon as we can and to start the manufacturing again, uh, so that we can you know distribute them you know with uh, with our uh, distributors and uh, get them into people's hands. You know, there's um, still a lot of interest, a lot of uh, developers in the community building watch faces and things like that, and a lot of improvements to the software, uh, which we I think we desperately need. Right, you know, uh, the initial framework was you know developed by uh, myself, and so. You know there's a lot of improvement opportunities in, in the software platform you know and the community has been great in you know finding bugs and doing fixes and kind of driving that
0: yeah and um here's something i i've noticed that um when projects are like um really successful on kickstarter or crowd supply or any of those platforms um Well, uh, the community is huge because um, it's not something that a company threw out there uh, when nobody asked for it and nobody wants it. Um, Instead, um, uh, it's a device that from the get go gets a lot of community support and um, gets like a ton of backing, a ton of funding because people like it, like not because a uh, company thought this is the future and you should embrace our future not uh not um what you want um so yeah to mm-hmm. kind of summarize uh what, what i'm saying is um when a device um is built for well like is a success on platforms like kickstarter and crowd supply there is a guarantee that it will have a passionate community behind it, because that's what made it a reality in the first place. Definitely agree. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, uh, we made like a smart fridge and go develop for it. like, And people are like, oh, nobody ever uh, wants a smart fridge, but um, <laughs> you pushed it because you thought that was the future but no one else agreed and uh, so yeah um those kind of projects tend to be uh abandoned by both their the, the companies and the communities because there is not that connection and that um kind of agreement of yeah this is where we want tech to go like uh when it's not um community built uh it it feels like it's um usually like the company against the world uh instead of um try instead of um going for what people want it's like uh they go for what they want people to want Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if that makes sense yeah, um,
1: and, and it's a it's a difficult um, kind of uh, line to walk as well, because sometimes, uh, you know, when you put out like a community project, you want, you know, th- your community, which for us for for watching Frankie is mostly developers. And so you want to give them the flexibility as well as the kind of tools and, and kind of whole aesthetic right around the product. So at the same time, you know, on the other side, you have the more uh, consumer type of, of customers where they want like a really polished end product right something that is you know maybe waterproof and you know can you can use right out of the box and you don't really have to you know really think much about the the application itself to set it up before you can use it so you know we really had to kind of find the right balance between well is this product going to be for developers and developers only or can other people use it as well and so that's something that we think that you know pebble did a really good job where it was able to attract both sides of the equation which was the consumer side as well as the developer side, and for for Watchie, we think, we believe that we're still leaning towards the developer side today, and so we still get a lot of requests. Well, you know, can you support like USB-C because that's what you know I have at my home, or can you make the watch you know waterproof? Can you make like a nice enclosure? And these are all nice features to have when you start doing like uh, you know mass production, you know, when you're building like a hundred thousand units, right? Um, but you know, at a smaller scale, and you're creating like a hacker developer type of device. It's you know hard to kind of find a balance like which direction you should go. So that's something that we always think about and get the feedback from our community to kind of think about well what should we do next or how should we kind of position our product and design it so that we can at least make the our core base of, of uh, community members uh, are satisfied with the product itself.
0: Yeah, I wonder um, how has the IoT how have the IoT applications developed for what you like. Have you seen from the community um, anything exciting come uh, come up like oh I, I made an application to control my microwave or something like that? Um, yeah
1: we, we saw so many uh, interesting applications that we were so surprised and, and so happy to see that the community did these things. So like in IOT uh, you know one of our, our early kind of uh, watchy adopters uh, you know set up a, a smart home system. So they were able to kind of control the temperature of their home, the thermostat, right? Uh, get some data about like the, the humidity, the temperature in their home, then open the garage door uh, all through the watch itself, right? Because it has the Wi-Fi built in and they were able to very quickly uh, connect some APIs and just build the whole system. So we're really impressed by that. Uh, we saw some interesting applications that hack into the hardware as well. I think one um, developer that's also on Discord actually attached like a gas sensor. So they were able to work into um, look into the CO2 levels as well as the different gases in the environment uh, right from the watchy platform over the uh, I2 C bus. Uh, and some user I think uh, connected the whole Watchy itself to uh, show the speed that they were running at on their electric skateboard. So I think the flexibility of the open source software and the Wi-Fi connectivity enable all these interesting IoT use cases. And some of them we never even thought of that people would do, right? So it was really cool to see these projects you know, show up.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that's something we will also see at some point with the Frankie, like mm-hmm. um, people developing, like, I don't know, an application along the lines of PictoChat for the DS, bottom um, Frankie. Or, right, right. Yeah, or like, mm, yeah, developing all sorts of like uh, connectivity software or um, yeah, like I wonder if we will see um, something that is like connected to their personal cloud so that they can read, um, um, they can make notes for it. No, like make notes from their prime key and then that note is uploaded to an e-ink screen on their house or something like. Right, right.
1: And, and what, what speaking of that, I think one of the interesting projects that we would really like to see is um, if you look on, on our Twitter feed, we built a prototype demo of Frankie connected to a, a very simple camera. So because we really loved the idea of the Game Boy camera, right? It was taking these really cool kind of one-bit photos. So we, we integrated that demo with Frankie, which connected to a... Uh, um, Uh, a camera through the spy bus on the back and so we really want to see people create interesting games or applications by taking you know simple black and white one bit photos with a camera that's integrated into the Frankie device itself so we want to see some applications out of that that would be really cool we think
0: there was actually a wireware for the DSI it it Mm -hmm. had like 10 mini games like it was super short like it was a proof of concept game basically but Uh it it used the front camera uh, for its mini games. And that was kind of cool. Like that was super, super low tech Kinect for me as a kid. Uh Um, Yeah, (laughs) like some games used your hands and other games used your face and things like that. It was was fun, like very short, uh, very uh, experimental, but it was a fun game and also, I don't know if you've heard this story, but um, some guy—I I, I don't know where—but I used Game Boy camera and found out that there were a ton of photos from like a cartel. So there was some creepy stuff there. Like uh, there were <laughs> wow. people with tons of money and and they were drinking and they were having some really questionable parties and all (laughs) that kind of stuff, yeah. That's really cool. (laughs) And yeah, all of them in glorious one bit. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I also, mm, I also wonder, is Frankie currently like a code name? Or is it the final name for
1: the um, platform? Uh, you know, so this is an interesting uh, topic. So the reason we called it Frankie uh, it, it is a short form, they think, for Frankenstein, right? And why we call it that is because mm-hmm. we, we it was kind of like a, a Frankenstein monster where you have different bits and pieces that you added all into the platform, but you can swap out the different controls. It has different sensors, different input. So it's really like a monster with all these different bits and pieces and that's why we called it Frankie so there, there was no other reason why we we called it that aside from this um but we haven't really decided like if we need to change the name to something more final but we thought it was like a fun name and you know if you know with with uh, our, our company we tend to name our products to end with a Y you know like badgy yes. watchy Frankie. so we just wanted to keep the theme so we thought Frankie nice and short so we, we're keep keeping it that name for now um i think we'll use it uh, it, it seems to resonate with folks it, when they think about it so
0: yeah i also like the name um mm-hmm. but i would also uh, suggest some names of my own which could be for the frankie or for future products uh i'll oh. just give them away for free like blinky because the screen kinds of kind of blinks between um uh-huh. black and uh-huh. white. I uh-huh, think right. that will also be kind of cute, or also <laughs> trinket, um, because um, it's some. I think it has kind of that pebble energy, like the trinket <laughs> name, where it's kind of a cute uh, little thing that's. um right. uh, yeah, I think trinket is a is a is a cute name for a device. Um, <laughs> Cool, cool. Yeah, I,
1: I think like we'll we'll see how far we can take like these names where it ends with a Y depending on the different products that we put out. But uh, I, I like the blinky name. That's one that one's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and also um are there any like planned additions to um Frankie currently like uh in terms of both hardware and software, like things you're experimenting with or things you want uh to have uh available like on day one or maybe uh close to day one
1: yeah and so i think in terms of the hardware uh we're we're pretty kind of set on it just because it has all the basics so you know esp at the core uh some audio input output expandable sd card um, you know some io ports to add additional sensors or input. So we, we think right now the current state has pretty much everything that it needs to to start as a development platform. Um, I think from the beginning, um, we'll, we'll have to kind of make sure that the device is usable. So maybe some basic uh, enclosure for it, right? Maybe 3D printed, uh, something simple, just so that they can use it as a device without it falling apart, right? Just from, from looking at it. And then uh, from the software perspective, uh, we like the ones I mentioned. You know the basic emulators. We might want to start building up more uh, code examples, just so that uh, the developers know, uh, you know, how, how to kind of build some basic applications. But I think the key to these devices is always the documentation. So you know the the hardware will be open source. Documentation about you know which device is connected to which port, which wire, uh, all the information you would need to just start experimenting with it, right? So I think uh, working on that uh, and sharing it with the community would be super helpful to get someone started on it. Uh, If they have any questions about, you know, how do I read from the sensor, how to read from this button to to trigger some actions. But uh, we might start looking into, you know, additional platforms that we can emulate as well. So all of the other colored uh, platforms, like uh, with the colored screens, like you talk about like SNES or, or, uh, you know, the Amiga, Right. The, the color screens are going to be very difficult to, yeah. to do on the one-bit screen. But I think uh, other uh, game platforms like Game Boy, I think we, we already mentioned that. Uh, maybe some simple framework to start developing some games, that that would be uh, a near-term target. Um, we also consider building an emulator or simulator for Frankie, but we think that uh, the development might be just simpler just to do it on the device directly. So maybe we won't be looking into that as much, we'll, we'll see what kind of open source frameworks we can leverage to really just use that as the basis for for uh, game or application development. So I think those are the things we wanna have ready uh, by the time we, we actually start uh, sending these units to developers.
0: Yeah, so I'll mention some of um, my ideas for things that I I, I consider like manageable <laughs> under that software and hardware. um like I'm not gonna suggest oh PS4 emulation now right right (laughs) no um something like BMac, like the first Mac um that had the one bit screen I think that would be cool to um emulate there um (laughs) someone has already ported BMac to esp32 but I haven't seen it running on sharp memory LCD yet Um, oh but it could be doable i think um got it. that would be really cool to see yeah yeah another thing is uh the uxm platform i absolutely love what they're doing over there it already runs on um the raspberry Pi pico and um the Playdate, date and someone got it like on the raspberry pi pico plus a sharp memory lcd so nice, nice. yeah I'm not sure. I think I also saw it running on the ESP32. Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of demos of UXN running on the ESP32. Like, we talk about UXN a little bit on the second episode. Uh, it's basically um, a computing plat- software platform um, that runs on super basic software, but allows you to do some really interesting things like 1-bit pixel art or... Um, text editing, um, some very basic computing tasks, but but, um, yeah, uh, it's cool that uh, we have that kind of universal platform um, um, to build upon. Uh, UXN is developed by a team called 100 Rabbits. They they do a lot of cool things, research them. Uh, So yeah, the fact that, like it, it already runs on many of the components of uh, the Frankie, but we haven't seen it on the Frankie yet. Like we've seen it on ESP32, which is a Frankie component. We've seen it on Sharp Memory LCD, which is another Frankie component, but we haven't seen both. Like it, we haven't seen UXN running on both together. Like uh, we haven't seen it running on Frankie itself. And I think um, because there's already development uh, for both the screen and the processor, um, now you uh, you can Frankenstein both together and maybe, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely you. something
1: we'll, we'll look into. Thanks for the tip. That sounds like a really cool platform. I, I just did a quick Google search on it. It looks like there's some nice... Uh, you know, uh, black and white, one that uh, map art that's done on the platform and some like basic demos. Uh, we're definitely gonna do some more research on this one. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, I think that is another platform that is doable that uh, could be uh, adapted into Frankie with relative ease. I'm saying relative because I know programming isn't super ultra straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. And cool. Yeah, uh, a, a couple of other platforms. Um, Pokemon Mini. Yeah. This one is a bit uh on the silly side because there's like 10 games for that thing. Um <laughs> it actually has a homebrew scene surprisingly. Uh, it's very small. It's like the Virtual Boy uh, homebrew scene. Um but there is some of that. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, th- if there is a uh a rom dump of, of the software, definitely that's something we could try to port on it and I think the um, the screen would scale nicely too because the, I think that's also a, a one bit screen as well. Is that correct? On the
0: uh, I think it is. Yeah, I and mean, it's a smaller resolution than the Game Boy uh, because it's like a super super tiny Game Boy. Um, I think it's yeah. as small as the Game Boy Micro, I, even smaller. No, I think it's just small. Um, yeah, yeah, I love um, really love
1: those devices, you know, these, like, kind of uh, simple, you know, one one or two games mini pocket devices. Uh, you know, I think those would be good targets to kind of port over. If you uh, recall, like, the the really old school uh, game and watch from Nintendo, like the, yes. the Donkey Kong, or, you know, the, the Mario juggling the balls in, in Zelda and those type of games. I, I think have th- a couple. Th- Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> those would be perfect, yeah. They are their remakes, like the Nintendo Classic Saga. Um, uh huh, uh uh-huh, right. Yeah. Right. So they don't have a watch, but they do have the game. Um, I have Donkey Kong, uh, Zelda 2, and I have another Mario game. I had Cement Factory, but I don't like that game. Like, I tried it, <laughs> I don't find it fun. Um, <laughs> Donkey Kong, in the, on the other hand, is very similar to the arcade game. Of course, it's a lot more choppy. But ah, okay. it's still fun. Yeah, I, I, I like the Donkey Kong game & watch. Uh, nice. So um, yeah, uh, adapting those platforms would be great. And I also wonder um, if we'll get uh, either BC or someone manages to um, create a maybe like an quote unquote emulation layer for BC on on the Frankie. Uh, that would be really cool because there's a ton of Bitsy games. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's another like huge uh, one bit platform for indie developers. And I think if someone uh, manages to make a platform like Bitsy uh, run on Frankie, like either Bitsy or something that is similar to Bitsy. Like I know, Playdate has their <laughs> they have their own Bitsy that's called Pulp. Um, so yeah, if Frankie gets something like that, I think that would incentivize development a lot. Like it 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 already it's already uh, an Arduino machine, so it can already play a bunch of games. But I think the more support, the better for any platform. Um, so yeah what i really like is that um right out of the box um it's a platform that can already do a lot of things but what i'm really excited about is uh, what else will people manage to get on the frankie i think that's really exciting
1: right right yeah definitely i'm excited too to wait and see yeah
0: um so um you have, oh, yeah, I, I was also planning to mention something else I like about the Frankie is that already it has better availability than Playdate. Like, I'm from Mexico, so I couldn't get one of the Playdates. Like, um, they straight up won't send them here. And with Frankie, it has pretty much worldwide support. So I think that also opens the gate a lot for developers in countries that, Maybe very underrepresented or um, underlooked um, like I think they should also have um, access to hardware like Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. Foundation has done that uh, a lot lately, like helping um, countries that are very underlooked get access to uh, hardware um, mm-hmm. so yeah I think something I already like a lot about um Frankie's uh how accessible it will be because um it already has um shipping to more places and I I think that's really gonna expand the base of developers and yeah that's something I'm looking forward to yeah definitely and
1: and we're always excited to kind of just see they're kind of different, uh, you know, developers and, and customers creating cool things from around the world, right? We we recently looked at some of the the maps of, of the different uh, locations where people, you know, have have a watchy or, or had a badgy, and you know, we're, we're pretty uh, good across like you know all the continents and all the maps, and I think it's really important to kind of get these devices into as many hands as possible around the world, so that we can see different projects, different. Games, different applications just being built from different communities and so we really try to do that and also try to keep the shipping low right just to make sure that it can get to all the different countries around the world without having to pay a lot so that's something we work really hard on in terms of how we distribute uh you know our our devices as well so uh if if we can ship it there then we we try to
0: yeah that's wonderful um I was also wondering if um like by the end of development like uh, when it's like in its final phases um are you planning to send out uh, review units to kind of um let more people find out about frankie like i i know a lot of youtubers who may um well youtubers and journalists who may actually um be really helpful to spread the word around pranky because they have a lot of these passions for um either one beat or low tech handhelds or like retro stuff in general or maker stuff um so yeah are you planning to send um review units for that purpose uh
1: Yeah, so so for our initial plan, I think, uh, because right now we aren't doing a a large scale manufacturing, right, because we don't know what the demand is yet. So at this point, we're hand building, you know, know, a handful of units, right, maybe, you know, five or six, uh, you know, just manually building them. And so our first priority, of course, is we want to get them into the hands of developers, right, Uh, creators, makers, who is able to kind of spend time to develop on the platform. So I, I think that's the first step, so we can maybe get some feedback on the development process, as well as some, uh, you know, community-created games or applications, which we love to see. Um, and then maybe after that, we'll start looking at distributing these to, you know, game reviewers or other journalists who might be interested in covering uh, these type of platforms. And that would be kind of the next phase, right, once we kind of have some into the hands of developers. And then probably after that, we'll start looking into you know, if there's enough interest, we might start another crowdfunding campaign and just trying to mass produce these devices so we can kind of keep the costs low and, you know, uh, you know, get them into more hands as well.
0: Yeah, it makes sense that first you are targeting the developers rather than the influencers or uh, all those personalities that um, may have a huge following, but um, when the product is like uh, still in the open, um you really don't want to push it to those people yet uh, so i think that's um smart um because otherwise you, you'll get a lot, a lot of reviews that, that that say oh it's cool but where's the software and so it's good to first have that base which is uh, the software developers and all that uh, once there is um enough uh, development for it once um it feels like a fully fledged platform um i think that's when the time is right to push it to towards um, um those kind of content creators definitely
1: definitely and you know just uh we'll, we'll keep uh, definitely you posted and we'll always share updates on on our twitter and instagram on any new developments so just keep an eye out uh and uh, i'll be ready to share additional news when we're ready to kind of share the Frankie platform to developers as well as any updates we have uh, overall
0: all right uh, it was really nice to have you here on the show um thank you you have uh anything else to say to people
1: uh nope uh just uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh we always love you know if you have any questions for us about uh you know anything about the products or just want to have a chat and interact right we're really into the whole maker developer community for these type of products and so yeah uh, thank you for having me again here T it was, it was a pleasure yeah.